Madhouse sucks the people he likes. Madhouse sucks the people he likes. Madhouse sucks the people he likes. And today, he's talking to you. Yeah. Madhouse is doing this podcast. Madhouse is bringing great guests. And I'll go around the world and hear what people say. And I'll bring you great content. We're welcoming you. Hello and welcome to the podcast, I'm Matt Hoss, and today I have uh, a truly special and uh, uh, the most wonderful guest you could ever hope for. It's the wonderful <laughs> Julia Burton, hello. Hi Matt, that's very sweet of you, I'm, I'm truly special, that, that, that sounds adorable. <laughs> <laughs> it's absolutely true, and uh, to be honest, I've been dying to have you on the podcast for a long time, so it's absolutely, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's really lovely to hear a friendly voice. Yeah, because um, um, I'm currently re- uh, we're doing this uh, over the phone at the moment because I do a lot of the recordings face to face. But obviously during Corona, um, we have to do it isolated like that. But uh, how are you coping with uh, everything at the moment? Yeah, um, I'm I'm doing okay. Uh, I think the last, yeah, last week was um, an interesting one. Um, I, I struggle with mental health conditions, which I'm sure we'll talk about in more detail perhaps in a bit later on. It is a podcast, but, um, so we will talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's the rule. Yeah. Um, yeah, last last week when it was all kind of um, kind of really coming coming down hard, uh, sort of it was changing so quickly. Uh, all the circumstances, um, that, like the, what the government advice was, and um, seeing all all the live events being cancelled, um, my tour being uh, postponed. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie, last week was very, very hard. Um, but um, I, what I've started this week to realise is that we are incredibly adaptable as humans. And um, yeah, the creativity that I... I, I knew that I knew that comedy audiences meant a lot to me. Like I knew that for me, comedy was a way to. I, I kind of created a survival technique through my career because um, my mind uh, is can be very dark, and uh, due to the conditions that I have, um, so carving out a way of finding humour, finding the light, is something that is uh, vital to me. And and then also creating through. Uh, comedy shows like reasons to keep going like okay well I even if I'm really struggling with whatever condition um, I'm struggling with today then in two days time I've got a show so I need to be in front of audience I need to keep going I need to keep putting the effort in and then I'm going to get the most amazing feeling when that audience that I'm with are laughing and we're connected and there's a community and suddenly that all went along with face-to-face appointments with my therapist and along with uh, socializing or eating out or all the things that actually help me and mm-hmm. I've realized I've used this as foundation stones in my recovery were gone but then something kind of weirdly brilliant has happened which is the creativity that I think not only not only people in the arts have but also just as us humans have has come into play and suddenly I'm socializing even more just just remotely um and I'm uh, getting more creative in new ways and um although the income and the financial stuff i still need to figure out yeah. uh, how that, how that's going to work um yeah i'm i'm starting to feel really quite excited and positive on a on on the on the kind of um motivation um side of things and i don't know about you matt but i'm genuinely kind of feeling like 
I'm, I've got a lot of gratitude. Yeah, um, yeah. Like right now, I'm talking to you in uh, um, in the well, I was going to say garden. It's an outdoor space that's got like a. <laughs> it's, it's it's not really it's not really a garden. It would it's it's a tiny little flat with like it's just got some it's like there's no grass. It's yeah. just I don't know some very unloved uh, bushes um, in the corner. Uh, but I yeah I, I'm I'm sitting outside and I can hear the birds and yeah. um, the sky's blue and uh, my flatmate is with me so I'm not completely alone. And yeah. actually yeah there's there's a lot of love out there and i'm starting to see it and feel it a lot more yeah and there was a really beautiful uh beautifully phrased um sentiment and yeah and i think yeah there's so much in that as well uh but yeah i think there is a lot of yeah a lot of those uh foundations that we held dear has just been uprooted uprooted overnight and we're all, all kind of thrown to this kind of weird um new phase and it's all quite uh difficult but uh, yeah, I think you're right. I had a, I felt gratitude quite early on and felt good. Like you know, I felt um, I was really inspired by my peers as well, like like you were. And it's um, I think it's really uh, wonderful to see so many people doing so much. And not even that, like I'm a massive music fan, and a lot of my favorite punk artists are starting to do like uh, like Instagram live gigs every day. And it's like this is such a weird. Uh, I don't think anything like this will happen again and I know it's an awful situation but I'm trying to enjoy it and uh, be as creative as possible in this moment when when I can you know what I mean it's like a, it seems like a once-in-a-lifetime thing and though it's a negative thing there's positives within that I think so I I've been thinking about this a lot um that people like I've, I've had a lot of things that people view as negative happen in my life like I was sectioned uh, when I was 17 under the mental health act and in and out of hospital I've had like uh, psychosis hallucinations um and that was like that was that was back then um and I've been a size four and a size 20 due to due to eating disorders and uh, and people are like oh you're you really you've, you've come through so much and um mm-hmm. uh, and it's that's really lovely I know they're trying to give me a compliment but actually I think they're missing something that that we're now all learning right now is that like sometimes something happens that you might in initially think oh that 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 really sucks that that that's really negative but within every negative there's always this actually this amazing um, opportunity for learning and for growth and yeah. for, for things to actually be better afterwards once you've come through that that difficult struggle um and uh if the tour that i was in the middle of um which that i have to say is still i'm so so gutted that we've had to postpone it but yeah. we'll come back um that show was all about uh how i i was with a guy for seven years uh, we were due to get married we were engaged and then we decided to uh end our relationship instead um because we'd realized that we were forcing ourselves to be something we weren't um so now we're best friends which we always were and always will be um and that's what that show was about like how when you when your life when the world when your world changes how do you how do you cope? How do you redefine who you are and what you mean in the world that you exist in? And suddenly I'm like, well, that I'm, this is what we're all doing now. We're we're all having to redefine what matters to us and what keeps us going. And um, I think all of us are very quickly realizing that love and kindness and um, the small acts of kindness that we can do for each other, um, which is another thing that I love, love focusing on. um, They, they mean far more than we ever gave them credit for Mm -hmm. Um, when everything else is stripped away and all the distractions. um, I mean, even, even, I don't know about you, but for me, like I'm, I'm taking, 
I'm still doing a lot of work, um, yeah. at least yeah, creatively, absolutely. but I, mm-hmm. I'm also trying to find out ways to carve out uh, <laughs> an income. Yes, um, yeah, that's that's a quite a crucial thing. I'm, I'm like, yeah, all this fun yeah. creative stuff. I'm also like, I'm, I'm very broke at the moment as well. Uh, but, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I think that that's, again, like, we're, we're um, keeping in touch with friends. Like, I think the comedy community as well, comedy really is a community. And yes. I always knew that kind of instinctively and I think you're the same like because we we've gigged together and like when you're in a when you're standing in a room uh holding a microphone in front of a crowd of people and you're saying these words that you've you've really honed uh, and worked hard to try to create a great comedy routine or a joke and then you hear this sound of re- sound of recognition from this audience of them all getting what where you're coming from and laughing as a, as a community like you don't know if there's one person who came completely on their own or like five people who were sitting there who don't have any friends sitting next to them or if there's a group of people over there that they don't really get on but they came here they just had an argument before they arrived at the gig and now mm-hmm. they're and now they're laughing together and the comedy changes your perspective very very quickly and your point of view very very quickly um which is why it's i'm obsessed with it as a form of communication um and then when when i this has hit us now it's the comedians that are the ones that are getting in touch as like immediately with me saying right firstly how can we work together to to do something productive and fun and still create and still entertain Mm -hmm. and still have motivation and purpose but then also checking in with each other and informing each other of how we can how we can practically get through this and i just yeah. i love i love the fact that there's so much community going on even though we're remote now so being being distant doesn't mean you have to be alone and i think you're saying so many wonderful things it's really uh yeah everything you say is like a it's like a, a fistful of love it's great uh, <laughs> yeah like a punch in the face <laughs> yeah but uh, like a uh, like a punch uh, a, a lovely punch. That's what it is. <laughs> wow, we're going into some weird territory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not let's don't read into that. But uh, um, but yeah, uh, but I think it's so true and it's so nice to see. Uh, there's this idea that comedy community has um, like people would slit each other's throats to, and they were so like jealous, and they they, they kind of cut each other down. And yeah, it's not. I'm sure there's a couple of people like that, but I, in my experience, people have been so lovely and warm. And this, and as you say, like I think kindness um, in times of adversity, kindness thrives as well. And yeah, there are people who uh, where there's not kindness, but at the moment, in in these hard times, one uh, and like uh, before we um, before the lockdown was in full effect, like last week, uh, I. Um, I, I I was outside. I was like uh, doing. I was running, and uh, just I just saw people being nice to each other, and that just like, it was good. I lo- I love the small moments of kindness, and I love that sharing. And I love that uh, people. I say not just a comedy community, but a, a general larger community. And the last like yeah, I just feel like that's been missing. And even though we've had to go through a lot of ordeals to get there, it feels quite nice that there seems to be a bit more uh, love around, and I think that's really important. Yeah, I, I so a couple of years ago, I think around the time that you and I started uh, properly hanging out, um, I did a show called Butterfly Effect that yes. was about uh, kind of exploring um, exploring the power of kindness and whether kindness can actually change the world. Because it was the time when, I mean, honestly, it was it was my indirect way of. Uh, of dealing with the fact that um, Donald Trump had been elected president, um, and I, I didn't want to do a show uh, that was political, but it was a show in response to wow, okay, there's a lot of unkindness out there. How 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 can I? How, what I felt powerless in my own personal life as well. There was uh, my aunt passed away, and and I thought 
what should I do? Um, I need to focus on the one power that we all have, which is being kind to each other. Because my therapist kept saying I should be kind to myself and I didn't know how to do that. Um, and instead I started trying to do this kind of experiment of every day I'll do a kind act and it'll be a new kind act. And I needed to, uh, like I made a list of all the possible kind acts that you could do. And then I wanted to see how, how hard it was, what, what came up, how, how awkward it was, what the effects were. Um, and all of that was actually inspired by... Um, an experience that I had, which uh, was at the Edinburgh Fringe um, in twenty, it was twenty twelve actually. Um, so the first time that I did a solo show was in twenty thirteen, but in twenty eleven and twenty twelve I was a part of a double act. Yeah. And I was flying for my shows, as you and I, I've, we've met whilst we've been flying as yes. well. We've been chatting. Um, so lots of people at the Edinburgh Fringe fly for their own shows, and um, I was flying away, and I, I really enjoy it because. Again, I, I feel alone most of the time, and in a crowd is actually the time that I probably feel. Like if I'm in a crowd without a microphone in my hand, I hasten to add, then I feel <laughs> I feel incredibly alone. Yeah, um, yeah. And my brain is out to get me. My own thoughts can be my worst enemies. So that's uh, when I when I fly people, I like to chat to them and I like to get to know them. I like to recommend restaurants in Edinburgh because I used to live there, and um, you know I like to. I just in that moment they're the only person that matters to me in the world because I know I don't want anyone to ever feel as alone as I used to when I was very very ill um and there's there was this guy that came to see uh the show the next day after I flyered him um and I remember he had a, he had a lovely beard and lovely glasses and he came along to see the show the next day and then he came to see my show the following year and that second year that he came to see the show he told me that that day that I'd met him and flyered him um he'd been planning on ending his life Oh um, and the reason, the reason was because he uh, was battling cancer. Um, he uh, was con- uh, going through a horrible divorce that was getting really messy. Um, he was convinced that he was going to lose his kids and never see them again. And he'd had enough because he felt powerless. Um, so he'd gone to the Edinburgh Fringe for one final hurrah, uh, and he that was his plan that he he was going to end it. That I think it was the next day, the day after. Um, and he showed me his diary as well. He used to work in the military, so he kept a diary that was really rigid of like his plans. And he showed me. That it was like it said on that day. It was a Wednesday. Um, it said, uh, "See uh, Eleanor Conway's show, um, then see uh, Mason Burton's show." So that was me and uh, my friend Lizzie Mace. Yeah. Um, and then it said afterwards in the afternoon, it just said "end" in big capital letters and circle around it. And uh, hopefully, not that wasn't a response to seeing the show. Because yeah. Um, yeah. But... yeah, I think that horrible um, the comic in my head would be like, "Well, that that's not that's not yeah, the best that's review." A ever. Great review. Yeah. What a great review. <laughs> um, so he, but he said that the way that I chatted him when I flyered him um, had felt like the first act of kindness that anyone's shown him in a really long time. And then he said, in his words, that he felt obligated to then come see the show. And that's, how I get, that's how I've sold out at the Edinburgh Fringe was like just guilt tripping my audiences apparently. Um, so yeah, they, they, he then came to see the show and he said that he found the show so uplifting. Again, this is his words. He found the show so uplifting uh, that he changed his mind about that decision. And I was just like that. That. That has to be, for me, I mean, better than any comedy award or a five-star review. Although, if anyone wants to give me a comedy award or a five-star <laughs> review, I'm not going to turn that down. That's fine. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I think that we, we sometimes underestimate our own, the power that we have in a small act of kindness. Like we, you don't know um, how much of an effect... Not maybe not maybe not one solitary act of kindness, but a cumulative amount of kindness. Like for example, yesterday, uh, my flatmate um, 
hung up or pi- a picture of mine for me um and he picked the perfect place and I was just like that I didn't even ask him to do that and yet it was so sweet it was a very a non-verbal gesture of saying no this is your home and you're you're, you're you need to be here and like especially now uh, now that this is him we're all kind of more isolated um in certain ways but I feel more connected in other ways so I'm, I want to do more things to help people like care packages and yeah. um and um uh, I'm cooking a lot more for my flatmates as well and, and staying in touch with people who might be lonely and get, getting in touch with people and doing errands um, when I'm out on my bike because we're allowed to go out on for 30 minutes exercise every day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm currently touch touch wood um, in this wonderful garden full of um, wooden fences. Um, I'm currently okay. I haven't displayed any symptoms yet. Mm-hmm. Um so I want to do as much as I can while I can without putting anyone else at risk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we need to focus on and celebrate the fact that there is power behind kindness. And yeah, I think this time of reflection that we've, we've all got now, um, there might be some very surprising positives to come out of it. Um, in fact, I'm already noticing quite a few positives amongst my friends. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, what? just speaking to you now, like, I think we, um, not only have we done quite similar shows, uh, but also we, we, I don't know, I think we're of a similar mindset. And uh, and I love the ideas of kindness. And uh, and I try my best to uh, give kindness when possible. And, yeah, I think it's really important. But do you feel... Do you think kindness begets kindness? Uh, do you feel that putting kindness in the world um, kind of inspires other people to do it? And uh, is that something you explored in your shows as well? I think that um, I think that firstly, the idea that if I if I do if I do more kind acts, then it certainly means that I focus more on the kind acts that are done unto me so if I if I'm focusing on what can I do to help others then when somebody helps me I, I recognize it more and I'm more yeah. I'm more able to go oh yeah I see that and that's amazing mm-hmm. that's that's actually an effort and a gesture of um of love um and so when I'm when I'm not focusing on kindness when I'm forgetting um not necessarily focusing on meanness but when I'm wrapped up in in my own uh, my own thoughts, my own feelings, and they're overwhelming me, and, and I'm feeling um, much more insular and inward-looking, introspective, and, and perhaps spiralling into a negative uh, mindset. With with my usually my mental health conditions have a part to play in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I I I forget to be to put the effort into be kind to other people, and I forget to notice when other people are trying to be kind to me. I'm not even sometimes even quite literally people say to me look we i've been saying lovely things to you and you're not you're not even hearing them like yeah yeah it's it's an interesting and then in terms of inspiring other people i i don't think that's i don't think that's my motivation because i don't think i can ever control other people's actions um if i can do a show that makes me firstly makes makes me giggle and secondly makes makes me have purpose and and i'm proud of that show um for example like if if that's a show about anything if if it means that audiences leave feeling uh feeling like they've had their perspective changed then that's amazing that's awesome but yeah. i can't control that like that's that's up to them um and i've also got an interesting relationship with the word inspire or inspirational because um because of the for a while i was kind of pinned down as a mental health comedian and i, I think that's changed now i hope mm-hmm. um but then i've i've done a lot of gigs 
um, with um, some wonderful, amazing, uh, physically disabled comedians as well, and uh, with a variety of different physical disabilities. And it it was always irking me when people would come come out and say, "Oh, that like audience members," and say, um, "Oh, uh, you're so inspirational." I was like, "No, I don't want to be inspirational because." This, bear with me, Matt. This is a this is kind of a an idea that I I need. No. I still want to explore a bit please, more. But please, please do. It's it's the fact that so for ages um, in the mental health world, you know, back in back in the Victorian era, there would be um, people who would be uh, in the asylums, and there'd be the people who came to visit the asylums, the the rich people that would pay a ticket to go and visit the people and look at the crazy mad people, and it's a them versus us scenario, like we're better than them. Similarly, with um, physically disabled people, it would be, um, you know, oh, there's the age-old, the, the freak show idea, or the, um, or the old oh, poor people, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're so less fortunate than us, we're better, they're, they're worse. Um, in, in that was the kind of archaic Victorian thing. And then gradually over the last hundred years, we've kind of slowly chipped away. And then we got to a point in the last 10 years or so where... Yeah, we've had amazing advances in things like we're talking about mental health so much more in the last couple of years. Um, there's a lo- load more awareness. Loads of celebrities have come out about being diagnosed. But they're still firstly being diagnosed with anxiety and depression, and they're opening up about that. But they're not opening up about, say, um, things if anyone's had uh, schizophrenia or um, or uh, have been sectioned on the Mental Health Act or any of these slightly more classic yeah. ideas of the um of the notion of being in inverted commas insane yeah. um and then you've got uh in terms of the physically disabled uh people you've got um, the paralympics and you know all these um superhumans and then suddenly it's been flipped of being like it's still a them versus us situation but it's they're so inspirational and we're and we're not we're we're with we're okay but they're even better than us and it's still ciphering off these two different um binary options of, of boxes that we tick either it's it's them versus us and what i'm desperate for us to move towards is um, the idea that we're we're all human we're all a part of the one big beautiful multicultural multi 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 everything multi-colored yeah. multi-faceted um we've all got mental health just like we've all got physical health and we've all got yeah we've all got limbs and we've all got eyes and we've all got legs but like some of us might not have legs some of us might not have arms some of us might have eyes the fact that we're in a body at all is weird like the fact that we've got eyebrows is weird and the fact like it, it, this is bizarre that we're alive anyway so if we can just let go of this kind of them versus us and focusing on all the differences and actually start focusing on the similarities like especially at this time when we're all no matter how physically abled or mentally insane in inverted commas uh, we are we're all dealing with something that is the craziest time that any of us have lived through so we have to focus on the similarities to help learn from each other and get us all through it as a as a human race, not not them versus us. I, I feel that I should um, already. Like I feel there's a lot of applause breaks right now because like, you've seen some <laughs> really, really. Uh, oh my god! I'm missing the applause of audiences like, so much. I... <laughs> oh, thanks, mate. Thanks, Matt. Um, no, do you, I don't know about you, but like, do you do you get that feeling? Like, I'm actually having like physical withdrawal symptoms from like I need I need the applause. I need the applause. Oh, <laughs> how needy am I? Like how needy are us as a, as a group comedian? No, I, I totally get it though. But like, uh, and I think, yeah, I, I think it's weird though because like, it's like a support system that's been taken away, and it's like a way of uh, 
Um, yeah, it's, we kind of uh, so there's a Freddie Mercury quote, uh, and I've mentioned it on this podcast before, and I'm going to paraphrase it badly, but it's the idea that we kind of uh, build the cage that we uh, perform in, because the idea that um, the reason why we perform in the first place is a is um yeah is you know uh, no normal person wants to perform in front of uh, any performers got something wrong with them and something they need to fill a void in uh, in order to try and get the love and adoration of people so when you cut that out when you cut out the uh, access to that of course it's going to be like of course you're going to feel that way uh, you're going to feel like you're going to you're missing out and, and you need that validation as well and it's a uh, yeah it's i think it's interesting it's it, it's it's a support network and a coping mechanism that's been kind of ripped away, and uh, I think that's why people have been so creative in the last couple of weeks. Um, in fact, I've started like doing uh, uh, live Twitch streams and stuff like that, just to kind of keep it going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're gonna have to teach me how to do that. By the way, <laughs> um, I yeah, I've I've I, so when I was I, I first fell in love with comedy when I was like I think well, firstly as as a, as a kid because you've got the most amazing things like the Muppets and I I've, I absolutely adore the Muppets. Fell in love with them, got obsessed with them. Um, and then when I was a teenager and I was I was in and out of hospital with like anorexia and mm-hmm. um, being suicidal. Um, that was when Monty Python, Blackadder. Um, have I got news for you? Like my family are not into comedy. My family are not into the arts. They're all farmers um, and they're all very practical people. And I just didn't fit in. Um, and at that time, it wasn't like those, I would, I would read, I would watch those shows, read the scripts and I got obsessed. Like I couldn't go to school because my, my, um, my schools were saying I was having, because of my illnesses, having in inverted commas, a bad effect on the other pupils. Oh, wow. Which, like what, I'm so hopeful that maybe schools have a different attitude now. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I would, I would be get obsessed and lose myself in this escapist world where I, I couldn't, I wasn't really laughing myself because I was so ill. But I was obsessed with this kind of the lifeline of like there's a there's a hidden secret within this comedy world that I know holds something the, the best of us like it holds hope for me of the best of humanity. Yeah. That somebody has 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 put their mind to work to mean that we they've they've they found the funniest way to express something that would then get this amazing physiological reaction from a crowd of people and um i delved into that and it was a lifeline for me um and then i became a journalist because uh, apparently you don't need any a levels to be a journalist um and also i thought that that was a way of communicating uh, and i love communication and i loved journalism in a way but then realized that i didn't fit there again and eventually after doing lots of voiceover work and acting I started writing my own stuff because um I realized as a woman to get a decent role I'd have to write my own stuff because otherwise I'd just be cast as love interest for the rest of my life yeah um or and then well not for the rest of my life eventually old crone would have happened um and <laughs> the then two, uh, uh, two choices you have uh, yeah exactly it's, it's the boxes that women were meant to tick back then and now we're breaking those boxes down as well um but yeah the the then I came back to comedy and I realized that it was always something that I needed. Like when I talked to my friends about being sectioned or having hallucinations and seeing God and angels and time traveling in those hallucinations, the only way that people would listen, my friends would listen is if I could make them laugh about it. Mm -hmm. Like they, they were so tense and awkward about it if I didn't find a joke. So as soon as I found a joke, it was like the universal language for saying, I'm okay with this. I'm comfortable and you don't have to feel awkward. It's all right. And that, was that was revolutionary to me and and now the fact that we 
we, I, I've, I love the fact that I've been doing it for years, but I've invested so many years of my life in this passion and found so many incredible audience members who, like, they come back year after year and they're like, they're like a fan family um, or a pocket family who live on my social media. And, like, whenever I'm struggling, I say, help me send, send pictures of cats and dogs, which mm-hmm. I did the other day when this all hit. And, oh, my God, like, nearly 100 replies and they are all incredible cats and dogs. Um, <laughs> so that sounds like the cats and dogs are replying, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so the the thing that I've recently realized is that the opposite of depression isn't happiness. The opposite of depression is purpose. And comedy always gave me a purpose. And reaching audiences always gave me a purpose. So now suddenly that's been taken away. And I'm so desperate to find ways to, to reach people again because I, I, I'm nothing without them. Like, it, I love... I always... I, lo- I love the, the fact that we've we've had we had like four sold out years at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival and um, yeah we've got five, five star reviews and lovely lovely national newspapers saying lovely things which is all fantastic and brilliant but it means nothing without an audience like I'm sitting yeah. here looking at my, my my flyers with all those wonderful reviews on that's just a flyer that's just one person's opinion like it means nothing without an audience there to laugh and enjoy that moment with me so com- comedy comedy's my life and yeah. I, yeah right right now need to find a way to uh, get it back out there and i'm working hard on a few ideas yeah. um but we will get there yeah um well i there's again as ever um another report like but like uh but, <laughs> but also well there's a couple of things to pick up on and i just wanted um well first i think depression uh is the opposite of purpose and I've never heard someone phrase it like that but that's so true as well I think uh, during my most depressive phases of my life was where you lack purpose and I think a lot of people feel like that but they don't understand it necessarily and uh, yeah I think that's a really good way of putting it but I did want to like you said that you are nothing without comedy and I, I well I understand what you mean and the sentiment behind it but I think like for me as an outsider looking in I think you're way more than just comedy because uh, like w- the person you are on stage is wonderful and uh, uh, I've uh, you know working with you is brilliant but I think the person off stage as well is the person who you know who I love you know you're you're my friend and you are uh, someone you know, as much as much as I love comedy like uh, at the same time the person you are off stage means a lot more to me as a person you know what I mean you are more than that stop it man I'm going to cry <laughs> <laughs> it's been a long week <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry no no I love it I love you thank you very much that's very very sweet um yeah I guess I guess lots of comics have um, a kind of on-stage persona and an off-stage persona, and um, I think I don't know about again. I don't know about you because I, I feel like you are you on stage. Like, there's not yes, there's there's the jokes, but then you're not like pretending to be. It's not character comedy, and you're not even pretending to be somebody you're not. Um, and for me, I think I I feel like stage stage me is is slightly different in that um i'm naturally very introverted um but i love performing uh so that seems like a contradiction to some people so it's like they assume that being a stand-up comic means that you're an extrovert and i'm not i'm an introvert it's just that if i have a if i have a microphone and i gather a group of people uh, and they're all sitting down in in uh, in in seats and i'm standing up then i can socialize for like an hour in a show and then we've done we've done with socializing for the day yeah um and yeah, I I do things like I put glitter on um, my uh, makeup. It's all I'm trying to wean myself off that because I feel like I used it as a bit of a crutch. Um, I love glitter; it's so much fun. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it, 
I feel like maybe I need to, I don't know, there's, I always wear bright colours on stage and I love wearing glitter and I love saying, right, this is, this is a slightly different version of me. And I think I realised I've done that for me as part of a ritual. But yes. although, it, although it is me on stage and I can be wholeheartedly who I am, get, getting on stage is, is a kind of process. So yeah. if I've been struggling with depression or anxiety or body dysmorphic disorder or anything that's been really pounding my head that day like my, my mental health conditions they, I kind of imagine them as like a cast of characters in my head and I'm trying to learn from them and I'm trying to grow from them and, and listen to them and try to understand what it is they're telling me with their symptoms and, and how I'm behaving but then I need to for comedy uh, draw a line at some point if I've been crying all day and struggling to get to the venue as, as soon as I'm there I need to do this ritual of putting my glitter on, putting my makeup on, putting the bright colours on, and suddenly that's not a costume per se, but it is. It is, and yet it's. I want. I've been kind of fascinated by the notion of mask because we all wear masks mm-hmm. um, in life usually, but suddenly I think a lot of us are taking our masks off in in this current crisis that we're in, um, and I love using I, I used to feel I used to go out wearing makeup like I never used to leave the house without wearing makeup when I was very very ill and I used to layer it on and I used to have panic attacks if anyone saw me without makeup um and it was not me it was very much a mask um and then I, I've had in the last few years like thanks to the rise of this amazing uh vocal feminism that we're we've, we've been celebrating mm-hmm. um I, I've started to uh, have loads of no, no makeup days. And do you know what? The world doesn't end. It's amazing. Um, and in fact, I feel more empowered for making that choice. Yes. But then but then when I choose to put makeup on, it's for me and I'm, I'm wearing it. It's not wearing me. Um, and I think that we can apply that to so many things in life. Like it's not... It, it's, not a, it's not something that rules you if you're able to live without it. And I think even, I mean, even right now, we're, we're learning that with things like our, our, our regular routines, our, our, our jobs, our um, income. I mean, that sounds really trite because, honestly, I've lost my income and yeah. I, for the foreseeable future. And that, that is awful, but it's not ruling me right now. What is ruling me right now is the motivation to keep creating and keep reaching audiences. And that is unfortunately there will come a point that I'll, I, I won't have any money to, to go to the, the, sh- the local supermarket if there's anything in the local supermarket to begin with anyway because there's no eggs I'm really I'm having cravings for eggs like I've never known I really love eggs anyway um yeah there's I think that there's bigger higher higher motivations and higher purposes for us all and um yeah I think that this is really teaching us a lot of lessons well um yeah it's uh Absolutely, and you you have a lot of wise words today. It's really uh, it's really I'm enjoying this very much. Um, oh, mate, I've I I am planning to get drunk later, and <laughs> I will be. I I haven't played so many board games. Like every night, I'm playing a new board game. I forgot I had so many board games. It's brilliant. All right, like, this is the board game revolution is happening. Um, so, what board games are you playing? What's your favourite? Oh God, right, okay, brilliant. Yes, excellent question. So. <laughs> prepared for another hour of me talking about board games. <laughs> um, so I, I, 
love wordy games. Like I'm, I, my, I've got loads of amazing friends who are all into loads of different tabletop games. Like from right through from, I mean, D and D is is not in this section, but like you know, Dungeons and Dragons. I've got loads of those friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I have tried one shots of D and D, which I do enjoy, but um, I haven't quite fully thrown myself into it because I feel like if I do, I'm going to get totally addicted. Yeah, me same. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then the ones that I, I've got friends, certain friends who like things like um, Catan or mm-hmm. um, ironically Pandemic, um, <laughs> but I, I'm i not so into those kinds of games. I'm more into the wordy games. So uh, the classics are Articulate, um, yes. but also uh, if you ever played Dixit, I love Dixit. Yeah, and that sounds that? like it's a sex thing, but it's not. Um, <laughs> what? It's so good. It's like a, just look it up. It's like it uses, um, I was playing it last night with my flatmate. Um, it uses uh, these cards that have like beautiful artistic uh, pictures on. And the aim of the game is to, uh, you, you sort of put, you, you choose one of the cards in your hand and you say a word or phrase that's related to that card in your mind. And you pop it down and then all the other players um, put down a card from their hand that might be related to that word or phrase. But then the aim is that you want, you uh, you don't want everyone to guess which card is yours out of the ones that have been put down, um, but you want some people to guess and some people not to guess. So it's kind of like psychology and art, and and even when I lose, I feel like I still learn about my my fellow teammates. Yes. Um, and it, and it's just I love it, and, and the p- pretty pictures as well. God, I'm a muppet. Um, yeah, I think I, I love that. Articulates brilliant. Um, you can't beat Cards Against Humanity for just drunken debauchery. Yeah, and, um, and yeah, there's loads of awesome games out there that I'm planning to pick Mysterium tonight, which I think actually I reckon you'd love Matt. I think you'd love Mysterium. Uh, you know what? Like I, I love board games. I just need to find people to play them with because if I can play a one person board game, I do it literally all the time. But uh, mate, mate, you should join. We've got um, to code names as well. Which I'm yes, sure code names. Think. I was going to suggest that actually. Brilliant. Code names is so much fun. Codenames uh, has a version called Codenames Duet, which is uh, is a two-player version. I actually secretly think that, well, it's no longer secret because I'm about to tell you on your podcast. <laughs> I think Codenames Duet is better than Codenames. Uh, so look into it. It's really good. But I also played Codenames with a whole bunch of friends the other day. And there's a way of playing it online that, like, um, mm. I, I don't know how they did it, but, like, they used Zoom. And, uh, like, people can take control of the cursor and and click on whichever card they think is the right card and then it's just great i need to figure out how to make it work um, yeah and also jackbox games box games have you heard of jackbox no i haven't no right jackbox tv uh look into jackbox tv uh i should be getting i'm not getting commissioned for this um so i uh, they, they're like online games uh, so it's really easy to play remotely um if you have somebody who knows how to do the tech um like you can it, you can play like uh humor games like the people who have the funniest replies sponsors to the setup they win um they, they, they win the game uh, that one would be quick quick uh, quiplash which is uh, my favorite of the jackbox games but they've got loads they've got like draw fall and like drawing games but it's all done via the internet so uh yeah you should definitely look into that but you oh. could definitely use look into that sorry my therapist always told me that ne- you can never use the word should always use the word could um, yeah um apart from when you're washing your hands because you should <laughs> definitely wash your hands <laughs> no i feel like i might want to wash my hands uh there's, there's more power there um yeah <laughs> uh, okay well um so um would, is it okay if i ask you some generic podcast questions for the time being i love generic go for it Okay, so um, uh, the kind of staple question I always start with is, uh, uh, can you describe your act in three words? So I tend to just say no. Um, <laughs> I thought about but, that when I said it. 
It's a... No, I, I, no, I'm going to because I've, oh, I've done, I've, I've, done some improv. So yes, and um, okay, three words. God, this is really hard, Matt. Um, okay, my acting three words: honest. Yep. <laughs> Positive. Yes. Yeah, I'll just go glittery. Glittery. Yeah, that's strong, Julia. That's good. I'm not sure, mate. I'm no, that's sure. good. I'm, I'm really. I'll come back to you with some more. I'll no, 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 no. I think that's more. No, I'm going I'm to troll you with some tweets. I'm going to spam you with loads and loads of three words <laughs> <laughs> description. Oh, no, and with also some more um, names of uh, board games as well. It's going to be intense. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, what is the strangest heckle you've ever had? Hang on, I've just thought of a better one. <laughs> 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 Uh, okay, my acting two words. This is much better. My survival technique. Okay. Done. Right. Uh, what was the question? Sorry, the second question. What is... <laughs> I love it because I asked it, but it was quite clear you weren't listening as well. No, I wasn't listening. I'm so sorry. No, it's okay. I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. Absolutely. Um, I'm much prouder of that second question. The second answer to the first question. Right, second question. Uh, what's the strangest heckle you've ever had? Strangest heckle I've ever had... Oh, oh God! Um, I had one guy just shout out, "Give me a phone number" in the middle of the of, of the show, um, and it, when I explored who it was, it turned out it was like it was seventeen year old lad. <laughs> oh, oh no! Uh, it's illegal. No. That's not. <laughs> um, so I, it's, sadly, I, I have to drink on my dates, so uh, he's not the one for me. Um, <laughs> I I think the weirdest, weirdest one. Uh, oh, do you know what? So I, I've did I did three of my sorry four of my tour dates before we had to press pause on the tour, right? And um, the penultimate one uh, was um, oh god, I've got a couple actually. The penultimate one was in Oxford, and these two people came in like they were like twenty five minutes late, uh, and they came in, and I was like I had I had to chat to them and say like, well, are you all right? Like, were you what, what was going on? And and they were like, um, oh, we 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 were just next door, and I was like, yeah, well, you're at the pub. To be fair, I, I totally would be there too. And they were like, no, 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 we went to the, there's a spoken word evening and they'd gone to the wrong, oh, wrong no. uh, theatre. Um, like they'd had a studio and I was in the theatre. They'd gone to the spoken word and they were like, they came in and said, I'm so sorry we were at the spoken word. And I was like, wow. So you sat you sat there for 25 minutes thinking, wow, this is very odd. This is, I mean, she, she's not very funny, is she? <laughs> um, so that was weird. Um, I've also, my last show before we pressed pause is at the Lowry Theatre um, in, oh, in yes. Salford, oh, yes. which is one of my all-time favourite venues. And, um, yeah, <laughs> we um, we had three different people at different points in the show uh, get up and go out to the toilet and then come back again because it's a tour show, so it was like, you know, it was like 75 to 90 minutes long. Um, so fair enough, they need to get to the toilet. But whenever they whenever they left, I, I have separation anxiety disorder, like an actual clinical diagnosed <laughs> condition. So whenever they left, I just kept following them out and uh, telling them that they should definitely wash their hands. Oh, uh, my God. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, they seemed to love it. Um, they they were enjoying it. But uh, yes, it's very hard to say goodbye to my audiences at the end of my gigs. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like that sometimes. Like I always like feel like I should, especially when I did. I just finished my tour, and uh, it's one of those. I always feel because it's a very intimate and DIY and a bit punk. Uh, so when people come, I really appreciate it because I'm not really well known, and so I'm trying to build that audience up. But uh, what's quite nice is that people. Like I always, I, I, afterwards, they're like they're all my friends. Afterwards, if you know what I mean, like we all get, uh, we just like you know, there's no, uh, 
there's no delusion of kind of uh, grandeur there, and I just kind of um, it, it's I always like to see them out and um, like say like I'm like, I feel like a northern mum if you know what I mean like give give them a cup of tea and uh, give them, give them some uh, uh, like dinner and uh, see them on the way if you know what I mean like get see them out to the cars and uh, wave them off if you know what I mean that's uh, yeah entirely no I even think there's some psychology to like um, my favourite venues to perform in are the ones where either I'm uh, on the same level like literally physically the same level as as the audience or they are they are in raked seating so the seats that are kind of there I'm looking up to look at them rather than um than them than me being up on a massively raised stage and looking down on them like, like psychologically I don't like that because I'm not better than them I shouldn't be raised on some kind of weird pedestal um I yeah they're, they're all they're all my mates they're all like we we are nothing without them they're the heroes in this story so yeah if we're making them laugh that's awesome but like they're just that's just them backing us and that's 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 it's it's almost like a political system like they they they're if they're laughing at us then then we're their heroes but if they're not laughing at us then they they're, they're the ones who have the power like it's not us and you know what i think that's so true and um i did a the tour show in Leicester, and it didn't sell great, but it was still enough to work with. I think there's about ten people there, and that was a it was, it was a fun show. But again, it was on that raised stage, and I, again, like you, I don't quite like doing it, especially to a small number, because it's kind of yeah, it's a weird psychology. And the the show wasn't going great. They were enjoying some of the jokes, but not. And this is a polished show, and like it, it, sometimes you just realise, oh, they're just not going with it tonight. But there's one bit in my show which re- requires me to shout quite a lot, and I did it, and I said to them, uh, and at that point, I didn't really laugh at it, so I just, I sat down, I got, I just sat on the stage, at the edge of the stage, and looked them eye to eye, and as soon as I did that, it just, they connected instantly. As soon as I stepped down, they, they just were far more into the show, and uh, it was far, and it was, a, after that, it was really, really good fun, but I had to, uh, it was just that, I think it's the reduced because um, I don't I don't think I work very well with a, a heightened status. I have to be kind of on the floor, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I I also just love the fact that comedy for me, comedy and my mental illnesses. Com- comedy is not a mental illness, but there are some similarities. <laughs> um, I reckon that comedy, like my my mental illnesses, has taught me. It's continuing to teach me so much. This just when you think, oh man, I've nailed it, the next show will surprise you and there'll be a new thing to learn and I love the fact that it's it's not just oh you learn how to write a good joke it's constantly like constantly refining constantly not only refining the jokes and the new ideas for the jokes but also uh, how you interact with the audience and how you manage uh, the stuff off stage and how you how you how you need to be lovely to everybody involved as well at the venue. Like some comics can be absolute arseholes to everybody in, at the theatre. And I just think that's not fair because it's, we're a small cog in a big machine. And yes, we're, we're at the, the forefront of it with a, with a figurehead maybe, but then everyone around that around us at these amazing venues that are all struggling now, they're all absolute superhero legends as well, because without them we wouldn't be lit we wouldn't have a stage we wouldn't have any tickets sold we wouldn't have a program you know it's 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 that glorious community of the arts that comedy is a part of it and yeah it's 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 also it's also like like the, maybe some people see it as like the lowest rung of the arts because we're making some people make knob jokes but like mm-hmm. it's it's the most accessible therefore it's the one that i'm most in love with oh brill um Again, another quality answer. Um, but um, I've got, uh, got a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up, if that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, so, here's a, a Corona uh, special for you. Um, if you were um, 
if you had to pick three other comedians to be in a quarantine with in your flat, um, who, which three comedians would you choose to lock down with? <laughs> God, that sounds like the worst thing ever. <laughs> we'd, all be, we'd all be so like um, insecure and paranoid. And, um, not that we can, you can't really um, judge anybody by the, the group that they're within, but generally most of the comedians I know are, uh, have, have some elements of uh, paranoia. Um, I would say, so my, so my initial thought was I was going to go for a couple of my favourite, like famous uh, people that I, I emulate and admire, mm-hmm. but I don't think I'd actually want to be locked in lockdown quarantine with them because I think that they, like, I don't, I want them to always stay uh, as inspirational, mm-hmm. <laughs> I used words, inspirational. I want them to still stay in a, a place that I can turn to as as something that has informed where I am yeah um, I agree yeah so like if if I had gone down that route it would probably be um maybe like uh Daniel Kitson um uh Stephen Fry um and uh Dawn French right yeah um or Eddie is oh god there's too many anyway so there's them I reckon I'd have to say uh, some friends. I'd, I'd go for my friends uh, because uh, they are the ones that I think we'd have the best chance of actually not only living together but also looking after each other and uh, working together, uh, maybe coming up with some amazing things. Um, so I'd probably go, oh, mate, there's too many now. Yeah. Um, okay, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I, I would obviously say you, except that we're having this conversation, so I need to do some shout-outs to other people. Yes. Uh, so... Um, the people that are off the top of my head right now. God, there's too many. Um, you, oh, feel, again, like board games, you can uh, suggest some afterwards as well. You can you can tweet at them, you can spam at me afterwards as well. Okay, in that case, I'd say Suze Kempner. Yes. Um, Beck Hill. <gasps> and yes. uh, right now, John Henry Fall, uh, who... Um, He's uh, one quarter of the beta males, and uh, he's also uh, an amazing. He's story beast, you know, story beast. Yes. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, um, that sounds like a quality, uh, quality flat as well. Um, but, but then there's Georgie Morell, and there's <laughs> and, and like she's one of my best friends, and I would love to live with her. Um, but then I also really love gossiping with her, and it would just be me and her chatting away, and the other to the exclusion of the other two people. <laughs> 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 well, uh, I, I I love that because like sometimes I ask that question and some people are like um, just free random people, but you you really thought that through and I appreciate that. That's uh, that's, <laughs> that's I uh, very much appreciated. Um, I, I, here's some of my um, questions I wrote, which I don't have a lot of faith in, but um, we'll give it a go. What is your least favorite milkshake flavor? Okay. Um, okay. Uh, this might be TMI, but um, so I, so firstly, I, I don't, uh, I try to abstain from sugar nowadays because I tend to find that if I eat a bit of sugar, then um, I want to eat all the sugar. So yeah. it's like my, one of my cocaines. Um, <laughs> so, and also when I was a kid, milkshakes uh, were the reason that my parents realized I had a lactose uh, allergy. So yeah. um, with, let's just leave that one there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. my, my least favorite uh, milkshake flavor is all the milkshakes. Yeah, well, that is the most unique answer to that question we've ever had. For- <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, which which van is your favourite? Van Halen, Van Morrison, Van Helsing, or a white van man? Oh, <laughs> um, oh mate, okay, firstly, uh, the first thing that came to mind is that um, we were, me and my mate were playing Articulate two nights ago, and uh, he, the, the, the 
the answer to the clue was Van Morrison, and I couldn't get it. I was like, I wasn't. I just could not understand what it was. So, yeah. uh, at the moment, that's my least favourite because oh, I couldn't no. get it and articulate. <laughs> but only only for that reason. Um, uh, but then I love music, so I should probably go for go for Van Morrison. Um, uh, but then Van Helsing. Oh, I'd love the whole, whole like gothic stuff. So. And white van men sometimes they can they can get jobs done that I can't do without them. Um, but then I have to say that there were a lot of white vans in uh, the pub car park. Uh, so I, I live like my, my window is uh, so my bedroom is right next to the pub car park. And in the final week before uh, the pubs were actually closed um, in the lockdown, uh, they like it was the pub car park was had a lot more white vans than usual, which was I thought was interesting. Either people were all moving out of the flat that I was living in. I'm sure that's the reason, or maybe the people in the white vans were in the pub. I don't know. Um, Oh mate, I'm overthinking this. Aren't yeah, I? yeah. Sure. This, this is like a. Um, this is usually a quick question, but you you really spent a long. It, uh, but I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. You have overthought it, but I think it's I, it's I, yeah. a po- a po- podcast. It's very intriguing. I would say. Um, this is going to be a really long podcast I'm uh, I, it's because I, over, I overthink everything which is why I once I've figured out a good punchline it is going to be a good punchline um, right I'm going to go with Van Morrison because although I said it was my least favourite um, I love music and uh, I was very humbled in the middle of the game of Articulate that I didn't get uh, that clue <laughs> Finally, thank you. <laughs> what, what a roller coaster that was. Uh, Thanks, mate. <laughs> um, so, um, before we go, I got one more question to do. But uh, uh, before we do that, I um, I just wanted to talk about um, uh, your you you have defined coming out. Uh, it's it's available on next up, right? Yes, next up comedy. Uh, I'm sure that you know Matt, but if anyone doesn't doesn't know who's listening, um, it is a live comedy streaming service. So. Um, they go to the Edinburgh Fringe and they pick their favourite Edinburgh Fringe shows, um, the, the wonderful people at Next Up, uh, and they film them and you can watch them uh, online. Um, the the version of Defined, my show uh, that's on there, was the one that I wrote for Edinburgh Fringe. I then completely rewrote it um, for the tour. Uh, oh. and so, yeah, it's it's a very different show now, um, but it's you can see the kind of vibe. Uh, you can see the glitter at the very least, <laughs> still there um on next up and if you use um the if you go to nextupcomedy.com uh, forward slash amazing juliet uh they they picked that by the way not me i didn't i'm, I'm not that i hope i'm not that egotistical uh, <laughs> absolutely called amazing juliet uh if you use that link then um it's free to have a trial and then if you sign up um subsequently then i get a little reward and like it's a teeny tiny reward but it, like it builds up over the year and it means that i might get a little bit of income um so yeah like i think it's something like i get it used to be five pounds, but since the since the outbreak, um, they've upped it to ten pounds, I believe, uh, per sign up. So um, that would be lovely um, also, if anyone fancies that. Yeah, uh, and also um, the people can see the updated version of the show uh, when your tour is rescheduled as well. Yeah, it's going to hopefully. I think we've got some dates already being lined up for uh, very late this year. Uh, so yeah, autumn, and we're going to have some poor tasters online. And I've got, a, I've got a very exciting website thing happening as well. I had a big meeting about that yesterday, and I'm super excited. I can't really tell you much about it, Matt, but I can tell you that I specifically think that you, given who you are and your experiences, will 
really love it. So I, ipso facto, I don't think I've ever used that phrase, ipso facto, ever. But, I'm impressed. Um, yeah. Ipso facto, uh, your listeners will love it because they love you. So, yeah. Well, um, well, uh, thank you for very much for that. And, uh, yeah, um, and where can people find you online? Uh, I'm, I'm only ever online at the moment. Uh, I am on Twitter at Juliette Burton. That's J-U-L-I-E-T-T-E-B-U-R-T-O-N. Uh, so the French version Juliette. Also have, that's uh, on Twitter. On Facebook, I'm uh, Juliette Burton, writer-performer. Um, on Instagram, it's Juliette underscore Burton. Um, and my website is JulietteBurton.co.uk or .com. I think we've got both of those. Um, and I've also got a YouTube uh, channel that I haven't uploaded anything to for a while, but I will be uploading things to soon, um, which is uh, The Juliet Burton or The Juliet Burton, depending on how you want to use your ease. Um, brilliant. And uh, and the final question: Has comedy improved your life, or has it made it worse? I think we know the answer to that. Yes, given I think what we've chatted about. Yeah, um, I would. I, I honestly don't think I would be alive if it weren't for comedy. Well, thank you so much, and I would love to chat to you more about that. But I think that's a perfect way to end. So, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Matt. You're a gem and a star and a total gem. Mm-hmm.